This is Salty Believer Unscripted. I'm Josiah Walker. I'm Brian Katherman. And today we're continuing our conversation through systematic theology. Last time we kind of did an overview, and I guess this time we're really diving in. Where do you start? Uh, so I've been thinking about that. Wayne Grudem, his first chapter in all of his books starts with the Word of God. Okay. And he argues why. There are other theologians that start with God as an existent sure. being or the Trinity something like that you wrote your statement of faith when you were ordained i've done the same thing where did you start that's a really great question i actually got asked this question on an airplane once and i see who are you sitting next to (laughs) you never know man on an airplane you never know i i understand both points i have friends who started with god they said you know you got to start with god Um, my argument would be though how do i know anything about god without the bible so for me, I started with God's Word, the okay, Bible. Okay, on the counter side of that, uh, where do we get the Bible from? And then you say, well, we get it from God, or it's right. God's Word. And you haven't even explained that there is a God. So right. I, this seems like a chicken and egg problem, right? <laughs> a little bit. I mean, it, so you went with the Bible. I went with the Bible because, I don't know. I think there's just as much confusion if you try to start with God. Well, who's God? You know, we everybody worships a God, but they're all different gods. And that's kind of so, how I, I well, I started with the Bible too. And the reason for that is when you want to, when I want to talk about God, I want to be able to say here's Scripture, right? To talk about God. I mean, I tell our, our kids in our youth group, hey, this is God's love letter to us. Like if if God wrote it, and I believe it is divinely inspired, then I kind of have to start with that. So it seems like you sort of you have to say, okay, we're going to temporarily assume there's a God who right. provided a, a revelation to us, his word to us, and then based on that word, we're going to come back and really see who he is. So you start with the word is valid, here's what it is, it's it's at 66 books, does it include the sure. Apocrypha, how did we get it, right. how do we understand it, what does it claim of itself, blah, blah, blah. Then you go, okay, now that I understand what this is, I want right. to see what this the Word of God, in this case, the Bible, has to say about God and all the other stuff. It definitely, they both definitely go hand in hand, God and the Bible. You know what I mean? Right. It, you kind of got to start with one, but... Well, geez, if you go to, if you go to John 1.1, 1, 1, Jesus uh, is the Word. Right. Like, oh, he's the actual physical representation of the Word of God. I mean, there's a lot. There's just, I'm just thinking of the, lot there. the 16-year-old that just got his license and wants to go drive a car. Well, you got to have your license, and you got to have the car. Yeah. <laughs> so... I'll just... Yeah. So Grudem starts with the Word of God. Yep. And uh, we're just kind of, I mean, we talked in the last one that Grudem has a systematic theology. There's lots of systematic theologies. In his little book, he just talks about, and I like it, he just says, what is the Bible? Which I think is a very reasonable question. Do you run into this? You do youth and children and family ministry. How do the kids approach the Bible that you're ministering to right now? I mean, when you say, hey, what is this? Do they see it? I mean, you're doing a really good job of teaching. Hey, this is God's word. Let's take a look at it. But sure. do kids naturally go, oh, this must be authoritative? Yes and no. You know, I think it depends on the kid. We, we've been studying through the book of John right now, and we've I've got some kids in there that have been with me for a few weeks as we've been reading this. But I had some new kids show up this week, and I said, well, why are we going through this book? And so we kind of went back to the end of the book of John, oh, uh, yeah, chapter yeah. 20, verse 30, and said, okay, what is this, the purpose of this book? And it kind of and it helped have that conversation or spur on the conversation of like we read this book because we believe it's divinely inspired in that. So, but um, there's confusion. I mean, we're in Utah, 
So there's lots of thoughts about uh, the Bible and what you can add to it. Extra stuff, other stuff. Well, and so I, would, I do want to encourage for those who really want to learn, pick up a systematic theology book, and, yeah. and that's a that is a reasonable place to start. Um, and some with, of those can be daunting, but we're going through Grudem's Christian Beliefs book. Or, or I have another book. Um, Bill Mounts just put out a book. William Mounts, excuse oh, me, put yeah. out a book called "Why I Trust the Bible: Answers to Real Questions and Doubts People Have About the Bible." Yeah. And I found that to be really accessible and easy, and it's it's really, what do we do with contradictions? How, what's the canon? How does this work? How do people understand this before it was written? What's textual criticism? On and on. So if you really want to study that, let's yeah. study that. But I want to go somewhere else with this. You've been a Christian your whole life. Right. And you just said in youth, oh, this is, if we're Christians, we really right. want to take this serious. Is that how it was for you when you were a youth? No. You know, I... <laughs> It's funny, I, I say this sentence all the time, and maybe I've not said it on the podcast yet, but you know, I've spent the majority of my life reading more books about the Bible than the actual Bible itself. And it wasn't until I sat down and truly read the Bible, cover to cover, that I really saw a transformation in my life. And I realized that a lot of those guys who'd written books about the Bible had gotten it wrong. Yeah. You know? And it, it's a difficult question, because when I got asked, where do you start? Do you start with the Bible, or do you start with God? The follow-up question is that, to that is, well, how can you trust the Bible? Right, yeah. To what you just said. Like, how do you, you have to have some sort of starting point where you say, okay, this is where I'm going to start. Right. Well, that's, it's that way with anything. And so I think if you can, let's say you're, you're not a believer, you're just saying, I'm going to f- right. learn who God is and I'm going to need to use his Bible. I think you can say, I'm going to let some things kind of hang in the air or I'm going to hold sure. them loosely until I can come back to them because you ha- it is hard to start. Somewhere. So it's like, if I'm going to start with God, well, how do I know about God? Right. I mean, I can kind of see that the, the world we live in is so beautiful. Somebody had to have created this, right? So I can start there. But then I, well, if I say, well, if Jesus is God, then maybe I should start with the Bible. Like, if I want to learn about Jesus, maybe I should read. Well, so here's the here's the really good thing about this. Most people who are just, God is drawing them. They can read the book of John and they're understanding who Jesus is without all the systematic theology yet. Right. Most of the time it's Christians who are coming to a, a Wayne Grudem book, a systematic theology sure. study book, Calvin's Institutes, Millard Erickson, whatever. Yeah. So at least on that front, you're saying, okay, you, you know who this Jesus is. You're a Christian. You're professing faith in this Jesus, but you want to grow and learn more. So that does make it a little bit more of a theoretical conversation right. instead of, I really have to know where to where to start and what to do you know that's helpful and so if you are listening to this and you're saying i don't even know anything i'd say well start in the book of john in the bible yeah. and just read john like your youth are going through john right now i think that's a helpful way to go when um what happened you said you started learning some of those those books about the bible were wrong sure did you find yourself being more enthralled in the bible itself after you read yeah. the bible you know i think it really spurred on not, my, not just my love for God's word, but my love for God, too. Like, I feel like I grew deeper in my relationship with God. You know, it helped me to know him better, to understand him better. And that's why I say the Bible has to come first, because as I've read it, I'm realizing this is spurring on my knowledge of, of God. And so I can't really answer any questions about God without having that as the starting point for yeah. me. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, you need something, and that's right. a tangible something you can start with. So we, it's weird, though, you know, we... I got saved in college, and so I was just already enamored with, man, the Bible. I need to go to the Bible. Wow, this is amazing. But it is interesting how quickly we 
are comfortable with all those other books, comfortable with all those arguments. I have a, a group that I, I have a couple different groups I'm leading, but I have this group and we're in Isaiah. Nice. And there's some prophetic stuff in Isaiah. We're actually in Isaiah chapter 11. And the first six verses are this prophetic statement about the coming Messiah. And then there's some some back and forth possibilities of verses six through nine, the last three verses, because it, there's symbolic language of peace. Uh, you know, the, the bear and the cow will eat together and the child will sit next to a, uh, you know, a cobra's den and there won't be any issues. And you know, it's just this beautiful picture of peace. And so the idea is kind of a couple different things. There's a prophetic fulfillment of Jesus bringing peace in a kind of a metaphorical figurative language kind of way or there's a take on like this is what's going to happen that some of this has been fulfilled in the coming of Christ some of this will be fulfilled in the second coming of Christ the new heavens the new earth or things like that right so we're talking about that and and I kind of set myself to say okay I'm going to provide some counter discussion some counter argument thinking it wouldn't take very long I thought that the people in the class most have been Christians most of their life would be pretty quick to go to scripture to start making their arguments but i'm like well i'm taking this position and tell me where i'm wrong and they they make arguments from other people's books right they'd make arguments from well, i heard this preacher once they'd make arguments from this and 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 finally finally it was like 20 minutes of me pushing back and like well what do you mean and tell us the answer and all this stuff and I, people were starting to think i was being a jerk and finally someone went wait a minute well how does this line up with and they went to some other section of god's word in the bible right. and it, it it showed me how easy it is for us to almost, I don't want to say discredit the Bible, but go to it second, go to it third, because right. you go to all those other books you're talking yeah. about first, and then as soon as they saw that, they're like, oh, oh, yeah, okay, and then and then some of them were saying, you know, I just don't know the one, somebody in the class said, I just don't know the Bible enough right. to think about all those other examples, which is why we need to go to the Bible so much. And I, and I don't think we realize that. I, I think as Christians, a lot of times, if especially like myself, if you grew up in the church, you know, and you've heard the same handful of stories about Jonah and the whale and Father Abraham and David and Goliath, and you think that you know the whole Bible because you know some key stories in the Bible. I mean, the whole reason I even had read it, I sat down to read it, was because you challenged me. You said, have you ever read the Bible in its entirety? Yeah. And I thought, well, here I am a Christian for 30 years now, and I never have. Yeah, what have I What have I missed? Oh, bummer. But but I think we th we give ourselves credit thinking we know more of the Bible than we actually do. Well, the other, the other thing that's good, I want to come back to that in a second, but I want to say the other thing that's good. I just picked up, this is, um, I have in my hand, Gruden's big systematic theology book, and you go to the scripture index, I was just looking for that, and it's just loaded, because if you're going to do a systematic theology, you need to be able to pull from scripture, because otherwise you're just pulling from your imagination or tradition or right or who knows what else you were just talking to me about the debate the rc sproul uh baptism display yeah the yeah. rc sproul and john macarthur debate yep. and you really liked macarthur's line not about baptism no sproul's line about macarthur Tell right. us that, yeah, give yeah me. sproul was talking they were debating uh credo baptism and pedo baptism you know baptism by faith and baptism of infants and 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 they had different viewpoints on it. And Sproul was saying that, you know, he wishes he could convince MacArthur based on history and church leadership and our church fathers. But he's like, the tradition. only thing you can, right, <laughs> tradition. But he said, the only thing that you can convince uh, MacArthur on is scripture alone. 
He has to, it has to be scripture. Yeah, and that's a powerful con- statement. If I can't convince him with the Bible of this right. belief, I can't convince so, him because that's what's ex- that's exactly what's happened. A lot of times, I don't think we know realize why we've gotten to where we are, and a lot of it comes out of tradition. You know, my wife was talking last night about the nativity sets that we put out at Christmas. Oh yeah, always the wise men that are part of that set, but the wise men came on the scene a lot later, right? Yeah, well, like they, he was Jesus was between born and two, right, and. He was at a house, you know, we, we've created in our mind a theology. I've written on SaltyBeliever.com a few times about the theology that comes from sure. our wise our nativity sets. There's three wise men because there was three gifts mentioned. Sure. And and I, I don't mean to make this controversial, but it seems like in most of our nativity sets, one of those wise men is always really dark and the other two are always really pasty. Right. Like, what in the world? Unless you buy one that's like animals and one's an elephant and one's sure. a giraffe. And, but... When you go with kind of that traditional looking set, there's a certain look and feel that always gets created, but the Bible doesn't necessarily say that's what it is. We've let the nativity set inform our theology. Exactly. So that's the kind of thing where I don't want to get all my theology from an ABC Christmas special, you know, or or (laughs) cartoons where I think, oh, there's a devil on my shoulder and an angel on the other one. Like, let's actually go to God's word. Let's go to the Bible and start there. You did that in your youth last night, right? Sure. Yeah. We're going to ruin everybody's world right now. (laughs) Let's talk about the exercise you did with the kids on this. So we had a conversation last night. I said we're going through the book of John. And uh, there's some debate over what people did with palm branches. I grew up in church. You're talking about Palm Sunday, right? Palm Sunday. The kids always marched through the sanctuary and they were always waving palm branches. So I just thought that's what was in the Bible. And then as I started reading the Bible, I thought there's nowhere in here that it says that they waved palm branches. Well, I think we do see that in Revelation. I think in the future. And I think they waved big slabs of sure. meat in yeah. the wave offering so. back in the in the law but you're talking about jesus triumphal entry yeah his triumphal entry and people are going to no, wait a minute no i've seen plenty of pictures i've right. seen him waving it even this you had a note in the study bible that we liked yeah. it was like oh they were waving it you had the kids look for where they what did they do with the palm branches based on scripture right and, and we looked at all the different accounts of the triumphal entry and all the four gospels and they all pretty much alluded to the fact that they laid them on the ground they had their coats on the ground, yeah, and they laid them on the ground like a red branches. carpet, right? Yeah, laid it out for them. Now, I said, you know, is there a chance that some of them waved palm branches? Maybe some of them did. But I really encourage the kids to think critically. You know, the, the guy that had put this note in the study Bible had a PhD. I said, he's obviously a very smart, educated person. And I think we looked, you sent me a screenshot of that, and it could be that historically, or in the world, right. there were waving of palm branches, but... The hard part is we've turned that into right. some, what does the scripture say? Exactly. So if we just go off some things that somebody says on TV or in a commentary or whatever, like you really need to think critically and examine it against the Bible. And right now somebody's like, well, why does that matter? Well, here's the point. The point is on a particular Sunday every year, churches have right. all the people waving the branches and walking around and then the kids believe and the adults believe that's what happened and and we're not communicating what scripture was really communicating and then on top of that we could do that in so many other places and we do sometimes we go hold the phone wait a second i mean i hate to say this i was you know an old man when i was reading through uh the account of moses and the basket that's placed i just read that today that was in your reading today so the basket is placed in the reeds and there's a baby in there right and he's floating there and the baby's crying and then the Egyptian woman finds the basket right, right there in the reeds. Okay, the basket didn't ever go down the river or anything. 
Sure. Somehow in my mind, I have this maybe Disney picture. From right. The, Here goes the basket, and he's going to go down, and Opa Hippo popped up, and he ended up... <laughs> where did they start? They sure. went way up river, dropped Moses, baby Moses off, and, <laughs> and sent him down so he could get right back to where they were. Ironically, his sister is right away, right, to say, hey, do because you want to get Because they didn't go down the river. Right. Like, I mean, we just have this picture in our head, and I'm like, wait, what, what caused that picture? Right. And I, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say probably some cartoon. Right. You know, I mean, that's that's the hard part about not knowing the Bible. And, I mean, these things aren't necessarily terrible things, but if your account of the Ten Commandments and the Exodus comes off Charleston Heston's movie versus the Word of God... Or any other major there Hollywood movie. There might be movie. some details that are messed. Why is Moses talking to these big rock people? What is this story? <laughs> right. Here's the deal. This is why all this is so important, though. When we start with the Bible and what it is and right. why it should be the authority and here's all this stuff, it makes a lot more sense when you start going through all the rest of the doctrine. Right. You're not coming up with your own ideas. You're not going to tradition. You're not getting excited about all the other stuff. It's not just, I mean, this book isn't Wayne Grudem's wild ideas on who God might be, right. you know, or Calvin wasn't like, I have an idea. I'm going to make a bunch of stuff up. All of these guys, if they're if they're worth their, their weight, as theologians, if they're doing the work, are saying, this is how I understand what the Bible is saying, not this is what I understand it should be. It, it's going to be a lot easier to install uh, your light switches on your dream home when you started with a good, firm foundation. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> if yeah. you go straight to the light switches, you're, you're not going to do too well. well I think so. I think they do a... Uh, most of these guys that we've been reading do a really good job yeah. of really saying, this is where we see this. I mean, I... Miller, I'm mean, going to go through a huge list of the ones yeah. that I have, and we talked about that before. Right. It makes it so that it's coming from God's authority. Right. Assuming we started with the Bible saying it's the authority. Um, I mean, I guess you could have a systematic theology that says this book isn't the authority, and then then what? What's the point of the book? But um, I think that's why it's so important to start with the Bible. I'm I'm fine. I, I could pull some books off the shelf and say, okay, where did Calvin's Institute start, and where did these Puritans start? Sure. And where did where did the uh, Duffield and Van Cleve and their Pentecostal theology start, and where did this guy start and that guy? So I'm just looking through, right. you know, uh, the Dogmatics book. Where did it start? And either one, they're going to start with one or the other, but at some point they're going to have to get to this Bible conversation. And the nice thing is when you start with the Bible, you make God the expert. You know, in a private conversation the other day, we were talking about in my past learning how to, to become a pastor and to give sermons. I told you I used to start with my point and then find <laughs> scriptures that feed into my point. And you said, well, that makes you the expert. Right. You know, when we start with God's word, it makes God the expert. And then we go from there. Right, right, so. right, right. All right, so I started with the Bible in my statement of faith. You started with the Bible. Wayne Grudem starts with the Bible. Uh, I hope our listeners are thinking, maybe I should be reading the Bible more and using the Bible to shape what I think. And here's the other thing that happens, and we're going to probably end up getting into this somewhere down the road. People pick their camp sure. on a position. Well, do I want to be young earth or old earth in my position? Or am I going to be pre-millennial or post-millennial or millennial? And sometimes they look at who's making those arguments. Right. And they go, well, I like Jonathan Edwards, so I guess I'll be post-millennial. Or I, yeah. I like this, or I don't like, oh, those guys seem weird, or this guy seems, well, I don't, they're not cool, or they're... And then what are you doing? Then you're reading your Bible trying to cram yourself right. into that, that particular... To feed your camp. Am I what? putting a square peg in a round hole? What am I trying to do? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had a conversation on the way to lunch today where I said, I need to read some, some more books about this point of view from a different camp. Because I realized the camp I was in caught on fire. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I, I need a different viewpoint on this. And it just helps you to understand it better. I think sometimes 
if you have a camp and you have a view and, and you're pretty passionate about that camp view, reading the other views kind of help you really solidify. Yeah, I do believe this. Or well, maybe here's what I do. In here. This is what I do with this. I'll use those four views books, the perspective yeah. books for this sort of thing. But when you have differing opinions, both of those sides are usually arguing with scripture. Right. Right. If if they're conservative Christians, they're going to be arguing with scripture. So what I'll tend to do is I'll go to those scriptures, and a lot of people will skip over that part. Right. Like, no, no, no. Go read it for yeah. yourself. In fact, I was really uh, thrilled. One of the one of the students in my systematic theology class uh, that we're doing came up and said, and you know, I like I like Wayne Grudem, but he's not getting everything perfectly right. She said, I noticed he he cut this quote off. But I went to the scriptures and I was reading and I kept reading. And when you keep reading that in context, it almost seems to counter the point he's trying to make. And I said, good for you. Yeah. Like, that's what that's what you're supposed to be doing. And she wasn't wrong. I thought, well, I don't think Grudem's trying to be manipulative, but I think he got too quickly to his point and he's not addressing this larger picture. And, and I was really thrilled to see that she yeah. was going to those scriptures because that needs to be the chief source for all the theology and all that we do. Absolutely. All right. Well, I guess, if anything, it's the charges know and read your Bible. Right. Anything else you want to add to that? No, that would just that, that would be our encouragement to you. Is if you've never read the Bible, go ahead and read it, you know, and make that your starting point. If you have a different starting point, maybe you started with God, let us know what you think and drop us a line. Let us know why. Uh, but that's our thoughts on that. So until next time. Thank you for listening. Find more information at saltybeliever.com.